0: hi everybody it's Bob Tulio welcome to automatic merchandisers vending in OCS nation the podcast for the convenience services industry I always enjoy interviewing operators learning about their journey today it's a view from the big Apple a conversation with industry veteran Jim Evans of Evans quality coffee vending and micro markets his company dates back to 1960 64 years. Founded by Ed and Mildred, his folks, Jim tells us about the societal changes that caused the operation to switch from being a big industrial mobile catering company to a vending operation. He talks about his love-hate relationship with Keurig, his attraction to online sales, and how it actually turned out to be a distraction. The many challenges of operating in New York, including his recollection of how 9-11 impacted his operation. A very scary situation. He identifies valuable suppliers, his own secret sauce, and the one product he is very excited about. As a kid, Jim did not have much choice about working in the family business. Here's how his dad, now 83, suggested that he come into the office to lend a hand.
1: Get up. <laughs> we're going down to, the, to the, you know, the shop and you're going to make sandwiches because we're feeding... 2000 people in box lunches and this is what you're going to do and mm-hmm. that's it and so yeah. I always kind of worked here and then you know when you start driving and you, you work in summer jobs and then you're working in you know when you come home for breaks and, and college and stuff and then my mom and dad when I graduated college they took me out to lunch actually uh, late lunch early dinner whatever it was and said my dad looked at me and goes well what are you going to do and I said I have no idea. <laughs> he says, well, why don't you come work for me? And so I did. And we had some coffee business, so I'm not going to say we didn't have a coffee business back then. We did because my dad had dabbled in that kind of stuff as well as had some vending business, but the primary focus back then was really industrial catering, and then we kind of got out of that and kind of followed the money.
0: Yeah, and the and money coffee. was to head toward vending itself and coffee service and that type of thing.
1: Well, yeah, because... You know, when the mobile industrial catering business really took off, there wasn't a McDonald's and a Burger King on every corner. And transportation was hard for people who would bus in and work in a factory somewhere. And their only means of getting anything was out of a catering truck. But then when fast food really took off, transportation got easier and it made it harder being the industrial catering business.
0: What, what's your scope of services look like today?
1: I mean, we're in coffee, water, bottled water, filtration, vending, micro market.
0: So you're pretty full service at this point in time.
1: There's not a service in that category in the pantry that we don't offer. We're running about 15 trucks out of here
0: now. That's a good size operation. Tell me about your relationship with the other operators in the area. I know when I went out to visit you, strong relationships with David Henschel, with Judson, to me, it's a little bit unique. It's kind of old school. We you don't see that in many parts of the country largely because of the amount of consolidation that's gone on.
1: When we were all young, because we're all around the same age, you know, we were all fighting for position and, and kind of building our businesses and trying to survive at times between financial crises and such. You know, but over the years we've run into each other. We run into each other at a show where we run into each other. In a restaurant. And at one point we just kind of said, you know, this is silly. I mean, there's a lot of business here. Let's help each other. And and it wasn't really me that did that. It was it was more kind of David and Judson that kind of almost pushed me in that way. You know, just to name two people in this area, I know more. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of said, Hey, we, you know, instead of me taking an account one week and you taking the account. Let's see if we could just help each other work and grow this industry, grow the business. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that I was helpful in some of what David got into, and and Judson was helpful in some of the things that I got into, and and David certainly was helpful to me. And and over the years, Keurig, not particularly in a great way, kind of brought us together because we felt that we needed to band together. Because they controlled so much of our industry at, that, at one time that we couldn't really have a say individually. But if we did collectively, I, I don't know if it made a difference, but it, it, it seemed like it should make a difference. So we would do things that way. David and I would go up together up to Massachusetts and take the train up. We'd have a meeting with Keurig to give our two cents and then we'd jump on the train and come back.
0: Talk to me about your online sales. I know at one point you had a large presence online and you had some issues with Keurig, no question about it, correct?
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. So online, we from, I might be off a year or two, but let's say 2003-ish to maybe 2015, we, we were really killing it. And with
0: online sales of, of Yeah,
1: and, and driven mostly by Keurig, not all. But okay. mostly by Keurig, I would say 70, 80% of it was. You know, Keurig sued us to stop selling product online. There were several of us and they sued us all. You know, we went to court we won. You know, once, once K-Cups became available everywhere and that just was a matter of time, you know, things diminish. Uh, it was,
0: a, Yeah, it was a moot point anyway at that point. It, huh?
1: it, it, it was. And yeah. uh, so we had a substantial presence in online We kept the site open. We were doing sales, but we we were just distracted from what our core business was. And so the pandemic hit and we left it open and uh, it actually did well during the pandemic as any online business did at that time. And then probably closed it a couple of years ago now.
0: As you look back on your career as an operator, was there a situation where you say, geez, I really took a wrong turn here. This is something I should have done. And and what did you learn from it, and how did you remedy it, and how did it go?
1: You know, first of all, that's a that's a that's a great question. It's almost like an interview question, right? Where if you're going for a job and you and somebody says, "Well, you can talk about tell me the, the not so good things that you've done and how did you get through them." If if I had to say the thing that I would do different is is following this online business too, too much. You know, there were several years where. The business was strong, no, no question about it, and and I know guys that were certainly uh, doing it also. We followed it, and we said, "Hey, this is pretty good. We don't have to run trucks, and we don't have to fix machines." And but what it ultimately did is, as the business faded, it really had us take our eye off the ball from a B two B standpoint. And so mm-hmm. for those several years that we were really killing it and, and making money. When the business waned, we were then left with our core business, or what got us to the dance, and we had to kind of say, "Okay, we got to put this thing back together." If I had to do it again, not that I would forego the online business, but I wouldn't have treated the core business, where the business that got us here, yeah, I would have had more seriousness to that business than I did
0: otherwise. What would you say is the is the greatest challenge along the way that you that you're facing right now?
1: You know. I mean, I've been in business a long time, and certainly we've covered a lot of challenges. I mean, we live and work in the New York metro area that has seen more than its share of challenges. You know, 9-11, uh, although affected the country, really affected the world. Sure. It it affected this area the most. I mean, we were we were shut down to the biggest market that we had. We couldn't get in or out of the city, let alone not knowing where your employees were for um, several days and we didn't know where our trucks were for several weeks. But the, the the challenges in business are going through these, whether it's the pandemic, 9-11, the financial crisis, and we've had a couple of those, is you really have to look and say, well, how do you adapt? How do you, how do you get through these moments? And at the same time, navigate yourselves so that you are providing the next generation of service or listening to the, your customers that are telling you, Hey, do you have something like this micro market? Sure. Being the cop, When we got into micro markets, I, I asked the person that was selling, that was looking to sell us the kiosk. I said, I want three of your customers that, that got out of the business. And they were hesitant to give that to me, but I wanted to, but they did. And to their credit, I called these guys and I said, well, why did you get out of the micro market business? And there was a common thread. And the common thread was, is that they were treating it like a vending machine. If that's the common thread, then if we're going to get into micro markets, we can't do it that way. If we do it that way, we're going to fail. So, so we looked at it as saying we have to follow a convenience store strategy and not a vending strategy. So, which means that the fixtures have to look nice. It has to look inviting. There's got to be products there that they can't otherwise get in a box, meaning vending. So we looked at all of that and then opened up our first micro markets quite a few years ago now, 10 10 years ago. But, you know, it's looking at and adjusting the business. Mobile catering, catering, mobile catering, vending, coffee service with just brewmatics. Okay, well, that doesn't work anymore. Kind of just continuing to, kind of go down this path of the customer's needs and trying to figure out what they are in in advance.
0: So it's a constant reinvention process. That's the challenge.
1: Yeah. I mean, we sit here, I'm not going to say every day, but weekly and say, well, what is the, what do we have to do here? You know, NAMA is a great resource uh, for some of that, but not all of it. Sometimes you you can't wait till NAMA. Sometimes you have to figure it out well before it. And it could be little things. Uh, Bob, it, it, it could be just particular items that you carry. Uh, you probably remember this, but FitPic was like this big thing. Oh, yeah. You yeah, big deal. stickers all over the place on your vending machines. And people wanted healthy items. And they and, and then you say, okay, well, how do you define healthy? And then you go mm-hmm. by government standards, which is not exactly the way people look at healthy. And so for us, those, uh, they're fun challenges, especially when you, you hit it. I mean, sometimes, yeah. You, yeah. sometimes listen... Sometimes you buy a breakmate, Bob, and <laughs> <That's> and, <right. laughs> uh, and and it becomes a boat anchor, and, and yeah. you, you say, "Well, I can't." That didn't work, you know. So. Well,
0: or an honor box, you try. And, and that for
1: all the young guys out there, Google it. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what do you love about being an operator?
1: Oh, the people. I still have contact with not all of our clients, but but some of the key ones. The people that work here, they're they are a family. There's a purpose here, a purpose for me to be in this business, to be part of this extended family of mine. And so I take that very seriously and I enjoy, I really enjoy that part of it.
0: That's great. You know, I talked to Jennifer Fox, you know, Jennifer out of the Chicago area, and she said, I'll tell you what, she said, all of this consolidation has been a really good thing. There's less competition than ever. I'm competing with the big boys. All the tough, strong, local independence that we used to go head to head, they're gone. They're pretty much gone. Do you feel the same way at times?
1: Yeah, I do. There's a lot less independence than there were when I started or even several years ago. You know, the big boys that are out there, we're better as an independent than we would be as a conglomerate because we can see things in real time or, or better yet, we react to things in real time. There's not bureaucracy. There's not people calling this office several times to get something resolved because it'll get to me first. And so, so I do think that being one of the few independents now in the area compared to what, what it was uh, not that long ago is an advantage certainly for us. And look, if if a customer is upset with one of the big boys, they're going to have Basically, three of us or four of us to pick from.
0: Sure. You can be number four on the search engine now, and it's pretty effective. Right. I'd have to be 28. (laughs) Who are your specific technology partners that you've had success with that have really helped you out?
1: I mean, we went over to Cantaloupe Proceed. Seed. Uh, That certainly has helped out quite a bit. Then we went over to Lightspeed with uh, the guys over at 365. So that's helped in that pick and pack you got to give kudos to, you know, USA Tech and what they came up with. And, you know, we and I know there's a couple others out there that do credit card readers, but we hitched our wagon to them. OpConnects and, and what they've been able to do, allowing us to be able to communicate without having to go through uh, the customers, you know, Internet, when especially when they don't want to have that, allow that access. Penoptic with helping us with theft and we have uh, them watching our markets and they report to us when they see something nefarious and, you know, we're able to pass that on to the client. So, you know, technology has really come really a long way and we were slow to adopt some of it. You know, we we're a little bit old school, uh, loading sure. up trucks and and just kind of have at it and sort of bouncing the product around a little bit when it came to vending. But, you know, over the years we've, the need existed for us to make that change, and it was a good one. So I've been pretty much technology focused now the last several years, and if I see something that makes sense, we'll, we'll we'll take a
0: look at it. What are the hot products you see out there that you really like?
1: Well, the hottest product right now that I like—I don't know where it's going to go because it's so new—is this Cold Snap. Mm-hmm. We actually have put our, our our first Cold Snap in a micro market. I like things that give the markets more uniqueness and not to take away from the traditional products. I mean, beef jerky. I mean, I got probably more beef jerkies in a market than I would ever care to have dream dreamt of 15 years ago. Sure. sure. But it's one of the hottest selling items in a micro market and yet you can't give it away sometimes in a vending machine. So it's, 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 it's sort of weird things like that. But I, you know, when you go and you open up a micro market, you know, we have a grand opening, we go through that whole process and the customers are very engaged with it. You know, we did that grand opening with the cold snap and it just, kicked, it just kicked it up a notch. Now, maybe we won't sell enough cold snaps to justify the machine. I don't know. Cause I don't have that data. I hope so. I think so, but I don't know yet, but the excitement that that brought to the micro market was just something unique that we, it was just another level. It was just something else.
0: Right. No, this is no, something no, that nobody nobody else can bring this into the office. I mean, this is something you have unique. I mean it's it's incredible.
1: You know, it's looking for those types of unique products or something that does something different that people haven't seen before that you Absolutely. know, what's your what's your edge? What's your difference? Everybody sells the same candy bar. What's the difference? Well, yeah, it's service and it's all of that which is important, but what else? What else is in your bag of tricks? And right now this is our next bag of tricks.
0: It's the all-important competitive advantage we talk about. That's for yep. sure. Yep. What's the So what's the secret sauce at your company?
1: It goes back to the same answer you had said, well, what kind of makes you excited about what you do? And it, it's the people. I have people here almost as long as I've worked here that have been with us through thick and thin. And that says a lot. And the fact that they found a home here and they're happy to be here, and we're happy to have them, thrilled to have them, really just helps the client experience because now you have somebody that's vested in what they do and that just naturally flows right to the client. And I'm thankful and grateful for it. And, and certainly the clients are.
0: That's great. What's your overall outlook for 2024? Yeah,
1: you know, We have a really positive outlook for 2024. I'm excited. I'm really excited. For, now what's interesting is it's not all markets. anymore. you know, mm-hmm. vending is kind of making a little bit of a resurgence, or a second look, let's say, at times, you know, it was market, market, market. Now it's a little like, let's relook at this vending again because maybe we don't qualify quite for a market, or what can we do to maybe just change it around a little bit? I'm really, really psyched about what 2024 is really gonna look like, especially since we hit the ground running so early.
0: Thanks, Jim. That's it for now. On the next Vending in OCS Nation we talked to Linda Saldana of 7th Wave Refreshments about her journey and the professional leap of faith she took to start her fast-growing company. Don't miss it. Here's a personal request. Please subscribe and you won't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Bob Tulio.